Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Hub World Podcast. I am your host, Matteo, and today I'm joined by... Gino. And Jules. So today is a very special podcast because we are talking about DC! Yay! Uh, we're going to be starting off with our reviews of The Suicide Squad. It came out on this past Thursday, the day we're recording this. Uh, we saw it a few days ago, and we're going to be giving our impressions and reviews of that. And they're going to be talking about other general DCEU talk. So where would we rank the Suicide Squad in that? Our favorite DCEU movies, least favorite, movies we want made, characters we want to see, stuff like that. So it's going to be a really fun, fun discussion. So let's kick things off with the Suicide Squad review. Before we begin, we should also let our listeners know that this is a full spoilers podcast. Um, we will be talking in detail about the Suicide Squad, so if you haven't had a chance to catch it, um, consider hitting stop right now and returning here after you've uh, seen the movie, or if you don't care, yes. you know? Anyway, just thought I'd jump in with that. So, every time I go see a DCEU movie, I get very, very nervous because of the way everything went down with the first handful of movies. Some of them were critically acclaimed, like Wonder Woman... Others weren't. I love the majority of the DCU movies, but every time I still go into the theater, I'm just super nervous, and I come out of the theater thinking everyone's going to just crap on the movie. And recent movies, honestly, the last few, I've been pleasantly surprised that not everyone's hated them. And The Suicide Squad was no exception. I think all of us came out liking the movie. It was definitely better than the first one, right? So, but like... There's so many awesome things about the Suicide Squad. James Gunn nailed the movie in all aspects. The way it was shot, the way the characters acted, it made you care about characters that are like unknowns, basically, from DC's uh, stable. And then also, I think the most important thing for me, at least with the Suicide Squad, is that it understood what the Suicide Squad was about. And every one of those characters basically was expendable. And James Gunn is a huge fan of the Suicide Squad. Like, he, he he cared about the comic books. And even, like, John Ostrander, the the writer of the... Mo- like, the creator of the modern Suicide Squad in the 1980s, even had a cameo in the movie, which was really cool. But where would you guys like to start with uh, the review? I think I wanted to talk a little bit about the cast. So what I really liked about James Gunn's approach to the suicide squad was he very much dove into the suicide aspect of the squad um and he marketed very early on that like you know a lot of people are going to die more than half the cast is going to die and again spoilers for those of you who haven't seen it but the intro of the movie really establishes that like you know like death is a very central theme and that death can happen at any time and that these characters are really at the end of the day expendable and i think he picked a very solid cast of characters in order to explore that so like i feel like like because obviously the suicide squad is made up of a like a ton of like ef tier dc characters characters people haven't heard of like characters aren't utilized a lot so it was very clear from the beginning like none of these characters really matter so any of these characters can die but what he also did was at the beginning of the movie he made a statement by killing off to mateo's disappointment killing off captain boomerang in in the intro to establish like 
but I think like that was an important moment because I think the the purpose of that was to establish that it's not just these new obscure characters that could be on the chopping block. Like we are potentially also going to kill off the returning characters. Like nobody's mm-hmm. safe, um, except for of course Harley Quinn, who we all know has the star power of like un- being unable to die. But I'll I'll get back to that. But I I think that's what lent itself to the well to the whole movie. And the thing is a lot of the characters didn't even die at like pivotal moments. They just died because of something stupid happened. Right. And that made the whole movie like feel like, like you're kind of not on edge, but you were like not really allowing yourself to fully attach to these characters because you thought, Hey, they could go at any time. Like I know like in the third act of the movie, there's like a scene with King shark when he's like looking at all these like water creatures inside of the tower. And they're all like, like he has this moment with them, but then when they escape, they start attacking him. And I thought he was going to die there. And I was like, I Oh no. Too. I'm like, what, a, what a way to kill him off. Because that's the thing is they make you feel from the beginning of the movie that like, it doesn't need to be a significant moment. It doesn't need to be this character sacrificing themselves. Or this is a pivotal moment. Like something just like random could happen and the character dies. Yep. So I, I liked that though. I really liked that aspect of it. And the other thing I liked was that Harley Quinn, while we said it's, we knew she was safe, like they're not going to kill off Harley Quinn, they removed her from the squad for a majority of the movie. Like most of her scenes weren't with the squad so that you could still feel in all those moments with the squad that anybody could die at any time because Harley wasn't actually there. Harley was on her own and she was doing her own things and you knew she was safe in her scenes and that's okay, but she still had some killer action scenes, some really cool sequences. I learned today that, I don't know if you guys knew this, but that scene where she's in the like torture chamber and she's like tied up by her hands and she like knocks out the the guard and then grabs the key with her foot and unlocks it. Margot Robbie did that herself. Like that oh, wasn't really? a stunt double. A lot of the scenes she did in that movie were her. Like it was actually her, which is really impressive. So it was like Harley's scenes were impressive and they were compelling. And I feel like even like the scene where like she kills the the president, um, that was a really good scene for character development because like it was it made sense and like i liked her little monologue there where she's talking kind of like about joker and how his relationship affected her and like obviously you see her layers of like insanity but at the same time like you you can sympathize with how she's feeling um and why she made those decisions and like she was really well done i didn't feel she was overused i didn't feel like she like whereas in the first suicide squad i feel like she really pulled the focus um, yeah. it, it was like a Harley Quinn movie featuring these other people. This movie, I didn't feel like that. This movie did feel like the Suicide Squad movie featuring Harley Quinn, which is good because the Suicide Squad, while Harley Quinn is an important part of it, she shouldn't be. It shouldn't be her movie. Like it should be an ensemble movie. And this one felt more like an ensemble movie than the past one. And the tone was just great. But yeah, the characters were great. They developed them. Like I, I can't believe I cared about characters like. Bloodsport and Polka Dot Man and Ratcatcher. Like Ratcatcher has that moment at the end where you think she might die. Like I would have been upset if she died. And I'm like, mm-hmm. before this movie, I didn't even know who the hell Ratcatcher was. So like they did a good job of selling you these characters. The same way James Gunn did it to the Guardians of the Galaxy, picking a strong cast, um, developing those characters, like making them like lovable and 
sympathetic despite being these criminals. Like, I think that he did a really good job setting it up. And yeah, I just, I, I thought the characters were, it, he picked a strong cast. And like, speaking to your point uh, before where like really anyone like could die in this movie it was very much kind of like watching game of thrones in those early seasons like when having not read the books you're kind of just sitting there wondering okay like what's going to happen next and like you're kind of almost afraid to invest in the characters watching it through the first time right i feel like if you watch it through a second time you can really appreciate the quirkiness of the characters that didn't really make it through the entire way for instance like the tdk right (laughs) our arm fall off lad in the comics and like the little things like that we knew that like a lot of those characters as you guys were saying before ultimately weren't going to make it through but you root for certain characters that like you hope you hope that they last just a little bit longer just so something funny or something quirky could happen and like the tdk i i i i don't know there's something special about that specific character i was rooting for him and then like like it's i felt myself rooting for a lot of the characters that i like I knew we're going to die because I wanted to see what they could add to the story. And like yeah. going back to what you were saying before with, with for instance, polka dot man there, right? Like just like the little quirkiness of he, like he sees his mother everywhere. <laughs> that, that was, was really funny. funny. And I don't feel like Mateo, Mateo, no, they didn't overuse it. Wherever they overused it, it, it was, it wasn't overused. I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was tasteful. I thought it was used yeah. at very like specific moments. Yeah. Like they didn't, they didn't like it wasn't totally in your face and like the odd like when it made sense to view things from polka dot man's point of view that's when you could see kind of like what he what he sees and like you see like this the little bit of craziness that he has right and i'm yeah. sure the actress that played polka dot man's mom probably had some of the most fun on set and this was a little nod to what sarah said after the movie i just wanted to shout that out there and yeah uh, mention that here I also wanted to say, like, the other thing that I feel really benefited all a lot of these characters being, like, unknown characters was that in the marketing, at least this is coming from me. I don't know, Mateo, I know you, you're a little bit more into, like, the behind the scenes of DC. So maybe you had more more of an understanding. But I had no idea who the core characters were of this film. Like, going into this movie, I had some idea. Like, for example... I knew Pete Davidson's character was probably going to get off like really early. Like there was enough of a core, not only with the characters, but there was enough star power used in the characters that you could, you could believe that a lot of those smaller characters could have been, could have made it through. Like for example, like TDK, Nathan Fillion could have made it through because it's Nathan Fillion. He's a pretty well-known actor. Wait, that was Nathan Fillion. It is. Holy cow. Javelin was um was what's his name um Flula Borg. Uh, Flula Borg, right like he's another one who's like he's well known enough that he could have had like like made it a decent way through the movie um boomerang right like obviously is like a returning character um the guy who played yondu michael rooker there was a lot of characters there that like could have made it through like if you had told me if you'd asked me who i thought would make it to the end of the movie i of course i would have probably said King Shark is going to make it because he's King Shark and Harley Quinn, probably Rick Flag, probably Bloodsport because it's Idris Alban. We knew he was the main character, but like I would not have been able to distinguish Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man from the marketing as any more important than somebody like TDK or Blackguard or Mongol. Maybe Mongol. Mongol didn't seem that important, but like well, Mongol. Uh, Mongol. Mongol. The really only surprising death in the movie to me, like I. 
I'm legitimate. Like I was legitimately in the moment, like upset that Captain Boomerang died. But like he at least had like two or three really funny moments before he died, and then also like the in the intro out of the movie, like even after he got ground up by a helicopter, whatever, you still see him that he caught that boomerang, the last boomerang he threw, he caught it. I'm like, hey, that's a cool moment at least. But then Rick Flagg though was the le- only legitimate surprise. Like I, they feel like it. There is something lost there when you don't have that in-between character, someone that's between Amanda Waller and between the squad, like Rick Flagg is. I feel like in future movies, not having a field leader like that, it's gonna it it it, it might be just complete chaos. And I don't know if I really like would like that direction to be honest with you rick flag dying was good because i feel like with his character arc especially in this movie like there was too much tension between him and waller and like waller's way of doing things by this movie that i i don't know like i don't know if i would have believably thought that he would be that middleman again next movie like i think they need a new middleman i think they need somebody who's a little bit more loyal to to waller because rick by the end of this movie was clearly like he was very consistently written, but he like by the end of the movie he was like done. He was like, yeah, no, he, this is he had he had he had checked out. So like there was no returning that faith. Well, actually, yeah. when I think about it now, it kind of I can see where that was rooted because the movie started with the massacre on the beach, right? And Amanda Waller basically put him and Harley and all those characters out there to die because she knew that all of the quarter Maltese, quarter Maltese forces would go after them. And then the actual team that is going on their actual mission is going to be completely like, they're going to be able to walk in home free and have no problems. So that moment probably was the, the moment that like really first started Rick Flagg's uh, change in, in, in the movie. But quickly though, I just wanted to talk about a few things I didn't really like. One minor thing and one major thing. The minor thing is, Mongal is the daughter of an alien who should be able to beat the shit out of Superman, and she died in a helicopter crash, whatever. She's not an important character, but I just don't, I didn't like that, it rubbed me the wrong way. But then the other thing was, Amanda Waller thinks everyone is expendable. She's got her own motivations, and, and she doesn't care about anyone else. Like, I'm not upset that her staff turned on her. I'm upset that her staff turned on her, and then we didn't see anything happen to them after, because... She killed innocent people in the first Suicide Squad movie just to push her agenda forward. And in this movie, she got hit over the head with a golf club. And then you still see that woman that hit her at the end of the movie. And all those people that just allowed that ha- to happen are completely fine. I don't think Amanda Waller would have stood for that, especially not the Amanda Waller that we know in this movie, who has that history in her to just get the mission done by any cost like she doesn't care about that so that was the pretty major thing that really rubbed me the wrong way but i mean viola davis is still really really good as amanda waller like amanda yeah, waller viola is still davis is one of the fantastic. best the best things about the dceu like i think she plays her role like if anybody's perfect it's it's her mm-hmm. her and henry cavill are like the most perfect and this is i think a really nice parallel because while she's on one side of the like she's on like the side of the United States and everything, really. There's no real difference between her and Peacemaker, if you think about there it. There isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think Peacemaker going forward is going to be the in-between. She's a better fit because she can manipulate him to do to do stuff going forward. She couldn't manipulate Rick Flagg. Yeah. I could so, see that. I mean, I I agree with you, Mateo, because like what, 
when as soon as they hit her over the head, I was like, oh, she's going to get them good. And like, you can do some narrative backflips to understand why maybe she didn't kill them. But like, I guess the way I looked at it is like the end of the movie, like what they had them taking out Starro was so like publicized that likely it was like above, like Waller couldn't really do anything to her team because maybe like her superiors viewed what they did as the right thing to do because they were getting a lot of good press. And so maybe they made the call like, like they like kept Waller on a leash there, and that's why she did like what she could do within the rules to punish them. But like I agree, like Waller's not the kind of person to forgive, right? So well, and she look at well, look at she threatened Bloodsport with at the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, that was kind of that's kind of cold. She was willing to de- completely destroy his daughter's life just to make him join her team. So <laughs> that's the type of woman she is. Like she would not let that type of thing go. I think the the standouts for me in that movie, for sure, like it was Peacemaker. I I I Peacemaker, like watching the trailers and stuff. I'm like, he's gonna be the most annoying character in the movie. I'm not gonna like him. I was surprised by how much like <laughs> I really like Peacemaker, and it's it was completely was really John impressed. Cena. Like I was really impressed by John Cena. Also, <laughs> it yeah. was quite good. Yeah, and then like there's not much to his character to be honest with you. Like the the moment with Rick Flag, the fight scene was actually really well done. I loved the a few camera shots of like at the very beginning of the movie two in particular. There's the one with Savant when he's throwing the, the ball and the, the first shots, actually the shot of the puddle. And you realize it's a puddle as the camera like zooms out and flips upside down, like back to the way it's actually supposed to look. And then the other shot I really liked was the helmet, like the, the, the fight. Scene. Oh yeah. The helmet fight scene. That was really cool. Yeah, where the entire, like, the first bit of the fight scene was filmed through the reflection of the Peacemaker helmet. But the biggest standout character for me, though, was was Bloodsport by far. Like, Idris Elba carried that movie, I think. People liked Ratcatcher 2. I like Ratcatcher 2, but, like, I still would put Bloodsport and Peacemaker above her. Bloodsport, though, like, I just love everything about him. Like, his character design's really cool. I like how he can, like... Like, like later on in the fight, he would take pieces of his armor off to, like, turn into weapons. And then when the weapons run out, he also loses that armor. He can't put it back on. So, like, he makes himself more vulnerable while he's trying to survive in the, that towards the end of the movie. The, the, the comedy in the movie was on point. I found the jokes landed for the most part. The jokes in the trailer that didn't land for me still didn't land in the movie but the whole thing with weasel drowning like didn't did anyone know weasel couldn't swim like that was hilarious i found didn't like, do their homework yeah but just yeah like blood sport obviously like it's very obvious that that was that was dead shot at one point and now we've seen uh leaked like concept art that deathstroke was thought of potentially as the lead of the movie as well jules and i have talked about that in other conversations that can like I, can i bring where, that can can I bring that yeah, topic up actually just because I think it's I think it's good for good for our, our listeners here to to hear that because like we were talking about this right after the movie and Mateo was saying oh yeah there was um potential for deathstroke and I can't remember who exactly said but like deathstroke is a very serious villain and th- while the suicide squad at least as portrayed in the films and everything is very like jokey so it would yeah. be, it would be very it would it would conflict a lot with kind of like the tone of the movie by having this very serious and grounded and realistic villain going up against something like Starro. Well, I think if he was a protagonist, I think it would have worked. I think if he was their villain, it wouldn't have worked. 
but even as a protagonist, I think the like because honestly, when I was watching Bloodsport's story, I was like, this easily could have been Slade because the same the whole thing with the daughter and the idea of like leading a team, like they easily could have told that story was Slade while like taking some liberties with the interpretations. But the thing is, ultimately, the problem with using Deathstroke is the same issue with Harley, where you're gonna know going into the movie, there's no way they're killing off Deathstroke. Yeah. One, he's also he's so powerful that killing him is such a feat within universe that it would be very difficult for anybody to do it. And then two, um, just they probably wouldn't have. And like, not that I thought Bloodsport would die, but at least I was open to the idea that he could. Whereas with Slade, it would have kind of removed that, right? And then I also feel like the whole rivalry between Peacemaker and Bloodsport worked because we didn't really know a lot of those characters. Like, if Peacemaker was trying to show up to, to Slade Wilson, I would have been like, fucking yeah, step no off. Way. Like, yeah. Like, Slade would have like easily been. Like, you wouldn't need anybody else. Like, Slade could have just done that whole mission on his own, pretty much. Yeah, for the right price. So. Well, not if he was in jail. The thing is, like, as a Deathstroke fan, we would have like we would have expectations of how the character would act in this world. Like it, it makes sense in the comics because the comics has more serious characters as well, and and that fits with Deathstroke. But for the sake of the movies, like you said, like it's more comedic, and I it's I and like I even honestly, if they make a third movie, I don't know if they would have Bloodsport or Harley Quinn in it. They crossed Amanda Waller in the movie, right? And especially Bloodsport, like how Bloodsport basically extorted her at the end of the movie. Why would she want to work with them? So why, like, I, I the cast is for the third movie in my eyes would be completely different almost. Like Peacemaker and King Shark would probably be in it. Maybe Harley's in it just for the sake of being in it. But like Ratcatcher won't and Bloodsport won't. So I mean, it could happen. <sighs> Because, like, they're still in jail, they're still incarcerated, like, and sure, like, you're right, like, why would Amanda do that, considering what happened, but remember what Waller says at the beginning of the movie, right, like, she makes her decisions because, like, she wouldn't be doing this stuff unless they really needed to do it, so if there's a big enough deal, something they need to cover up or stop, and she's like, well, the team that can do this is Harley Quinn and and Bloodsport, even with her hatred for them, she's probably going to do it. Like, that's pretty consistent with Waller. Is like, even though she has her own agendas, she's also not willing to put her agendas aside when it comes to the mission and coming to, like... I, I personally think that there's a story there where they can do it. Yeah. And that's what separates her from, like, a supervillain, right? She puts the greater good ahead of things. Well, she puts what she believes the greater good is ahead of things. Yeah, and even, like, even, even that, as well right like she's not going around sowing chaos and blowing up people's heads just because she has some kind of crazy power trip no like okay like this is the deal she's very cold and calculated again like with the peacemaker parallels and all that stuff like there's only really like one or two steps between her and what the peacemaker does in this movie so when the whole james gunn thing happened and there was announced that he was going to be attached to a dc project i was a little up upset honestly at first that he because dc offered him anything and he chose to do suicide squad i was a little upset that he didn't go with something else like green lantern i thought green lantern would have been a good fit for him i thought superman would have been a good fit but suicide squad after seeing the movie like now i I get it like 
when when James Gunn is get, like this was the movie he wanted to make. He was had complete creative control, and honestly, I don't think that's happened yet in the DCEU. Even though we got Zack Snyder's Justice League, Warner Bros. still didn't allow him to do whatever he wanted in that movie. And there was studio meddling in Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. Wonder Woman had it in the third act. David Ayer's Suicide Squad, obviously, like, there's a, a battle between Warner Bros. and fans going on right now with the release the air cut. Almost every DCEU movie prior to this has had some degree of studio meddling. And James Gunn's like, nope, this is the movie I wanted to make. It was done months ago. He put everything he wanted into it. Every single thing that is in that movie came from the mind of James Gunn. So if anyone else wants to add anything, I think we should transition into our general DCEU talk. We should actually review the movie like we promised. So maybe we should give it a score. I wanted to give it a score and then rank it. Like, what? where would you rank it among, like, DCEU movies? So okay. for me, I really like the movie. I'm relieved that lots of people like this movie. It's a critical success. It won't be a commercial success because of the events of the world. But I don't think that is that really matters. But in terms of uh, my opinion as a DC fan, I'd say for me, like... Out of 10, I would give it like an 8.5. But in terms of where I would rank it in the DCU, for me, it's probably 5th. And that's behind Zack Snyder's Justice League, Man of Steel, uh, Shazam, and I would say the first Wonder Woman movie. It would be at 5 for me. I don't know if I have like my ranking as defined, um, but I can say like I would give this movie a solid like 9 out of 10. Great movie. Some little improvements, of course, that could have happened, I think. Some things that I wish happened that didn't, but overall fun, really well-written, really good vibes, good soundtrack, good characters. And in terms of like where I'm ranking it, I, I don't know what my ranking really looks like, but it's near the top for me, near the top of the DCU movies. I'm really afraid to assign a score because of recency bias. I don't want to say, like, oh, yeah... Like this is great. Like I want to. I want. I would like personally have a little bit more uh, more time to think on it. If that's okay, not to like cop out or anything, right? That's okay. You can just. Fair enough. You can use whatever metric of of. It's definitely a top five one for me. Also, like an assigned number. I don't know what I would give it. Did I have a heck of a lot more fun in this movie than I did in anything other DC in a long time? Yes, I had a lot of fun with it. Not as much fun as Zack Snyder's Justice League, just because of, like, I just thoroughly enjoyed that movie. Honestly, all in all, it was great. I had a, I had a lot of fun with it. Now, we'll transition the topic into just a general DCEU discussion now. And uh, we're going to talk about our, like, what our favorite DCEU movies are. And for me, like I said, I think my favorite DCEU movie is probably Man of Steel. And what I'm really hoping Warner Bros. does is bring Henry Cavill back for the love of God. Like, honestly, Superman should be the the character. He's he, Superman needs to be basically the Iron Man of the DCEU. Like, he is the linchpin. He is the main character of this this of this universe. And for them to have so there's for there to be so much uncertainty about their flagship characters and like. His it's his existence and presence in their main movie universe. I think it's ridiculous. Like, like I don't really want to get into it, but I could care less about these J.J. Abrams 
Superman project. And to a lesser degree, I do somewhat care about this potential Michael B. Jordan one. But if it's not Henry Cavill at this point, like, honestly, that's the Superman I want. I want there to be a DCEU Superman still. And if we don't get that, I think that's that's tragic, especially with the fact that Henry Cavill still has movies on his contract and I don't know, like, if it's a, a year thing, like, by a certain point, if he's not in a movie, contract's terminated, or if they're renegotiating something. But, like, The Rock wants him in Black Adam, and the Shazam guys want him. The fans absolutely adore him. He's he's the perfect casting for Superman, and he's now going to get tangled. He's already tangled up in other franchises, like The Witcher, and there's this ma- this potential Mass Effect project that he's, te- he's teasing. There's talks of him being the next Bond. Like, Henry Cavill's time is running out for him to really care, I think, about being Superman still. Like, he says he wants to be Superman, but at the end of the day, you only have so much time, and he's got to stay in shape. Like, you know, he's and he's not getting any younger, right? So, like, for me, though, like, I want a Superman movie. I, I, like, I liked what Zack Snyder did with Man of Steel, but the way Superman acted in the Justice League... Honestly, that's the I want that like Boy Scouty Superman to come back with the the bright suit and like he he's the beacon of hope for everyone and he kind of had that in in the the previous movies but like I understood why they went the direction they went in with Superman about like Superman were to land on Earth how would people react to it okay I understand that fine but I feel like they made what well, they would make steps forward with this character arc they would always take that one step back so like okay Superman in Man of Steel, he saved the world, but he destroyed Metropolis. In BVS, he defeated Doomsday, and there weren't any casualties, supposedly, on the island, but then they killed him. And there was the whole like legal thing going on in, in BVS as well that knocked him down as well. But now, just I just don't want to deal with any of that stuff anymore. Just like have Superman come to Earth, maybe have like Brainiac as the villain, because that's a, a big enough threat, I think. And, like, just have fun with it and just don't take it... Like, it shouldn't take itself so seriously, honestly. Like, that's the thing, basically, with Superman. Just have a, a lighthearted movie. It, it, because, like, the Superman movie in the 70s with Christopher Reeve, like, that movie was a phenomenon when it came out because of how simple it was. And I feel like if they go with that lighthearted, simple approach with Superman again with Henry Cavill, it'll be a very similar success. So just... That's the movie I want most, like, by far. And then just after that, rebuild up to a Justice League or something. But, like, yeah. they have the perfect guy there. And that's one thing they can actually learn, for, um, depending on how successful this new Suicide Squad is. Because this movie is lighthearted and fun, right? And if they can say, oh, okay, if our, if our characters can have some serious tones and stuff in their movie, but also deal with like a what the heck scenario kind of like just being thrown out there, like something that's straight out of a comic book. Hey, there's an, there's this crazy government project. It's a giant space starfish. Like that's you, you, you can't find that realistically on planet earth. That has to be in, in the form of some kind of fantasy or a comic book. And they kind of do need to get back at that. And hopefully like even going forward with Shazam, right. And having what, what's a little caterpillar dude, Mr. Mind, Mr. Mind. Yeah. Like, like Mr. Mind is a mystical character, right? But little caterpillar turns into giant, like galactic space dragon spoilers. 
but like it's like that's not based in reality at all but that's freaking cool because it's just weird it's different it's what makes superheroes movies great right it's just like like within the rules that we establish in this world what can we do that's fun and dc's always been trying to be way too serious and to a fault almost that's what makes the marvel movies fun is because they take themselves seriously but they know when to let off and that's the christopher nolan effect if the dark knight wasn't as the dark knight trilogy wasn't as successful as it was we'd be having a completely different conversation right now like there is room to have dark and serious movies and that is just have that in like the batman portion of the the life like in the cinematic universe like there's no reason that aquaman should be that way there's no reason why superman unless you're telling the story about the trench the only reason only way aquaman can be dark and whatever tell the trench story and set it up like a horror film like james wan wants even even at that though I, i still don't agree with like some of the choices they made in aquaman but the jewels what's your favorite i don't know like if we're going by what i think is the best it would be different but if we're going by what my favorite was and I don't really care about the recency bias, but I'm going to say the Suicide Squad was my favorite. I just had fun, which I don't often. Mm-hmm. Know what? I'm going to take that back. The Because I actually, I was thinking about this. I reflected on this. And I'm not going to say the Suicide Squad. Because I, what I like is I like having fun in a movie. And that's why mm-hmm. three movies very much stand out to me in the DCU that I really liked. One of them is the Suicide Squad. The other one is Shazam. But... I'm going to give it to Birds of Prey. I loved Birds of Prey. I thought Birds of Prey was so good. It gets so much flack for no reason. Like, literally no reason. It was such a well-put-together film. It was so fun. And, like, honestly, like, I think the Suicide Squad is running... Like, a lot of the reasons people love the Suicide Squad are reasons that they should also like Birds of Prey, and I don't understand why Birds of Prey isn't seen... Like, Birds of Prey is the reason that there's R-rated DC movies, because that's what Margot Robbie pushed for during Birds of Prey, is for it to be R-rated. A lot of the action was very similar, a lot of the tone and, like, the jokes were very similar. Like, I I don't know, Birds of Prey was really fun. I remember coming out of that movie and being like, wow, they did a really great job with that movie. It's up there. Those are my favorites. Birds of Prey holds up. I was worried that on my second viewing of it, because I've watched it on uh, on uh, Crave in Canada, or I guess what HBO Max would be in the States, and it holds up. Honestly, I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time I saw it. I completely agree with what you said about it, too. It, it, I don't understand where this the criticism of that movie comes from. Like it, it Yeah, like the only thing I had a problem is that they could have just named Cassandra Cain anything else and just it would have been fine. Like you don't have to waste a potential character you could introduce into your cinematic universe in the future on her. But other than that, like that's literally the only thing I had a problem with in the movie. And that's like a, a really small thing. Cause like non DC fans wouldn't give a shit about that. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I like, and that's the thing is like, like I know that we talk a lot about Marvel sometimes and within our group, like there's some, there's some dislike for like the the comedic tone of the Marvel movies, but I genuinely think comedy is what helps break up the tension. Like I really do feel like the shortcomings of movies like Batman V Superman is the fact that there isn't comedy and like, you don't need to have it be the center. 
like Shazam and Birds of Prey and Suicide Squad make it. Like, not every movie has to have that, but I think having some lightheartedness is important. And I think, for example, that's what people love about, like, for example, the Robins in Batman stories is oftentimes the Robins are kind of the the joke. Like, not, not they're, like, not things to laugh at, but, like, they offer, like, a lighthearted lens on Batman's world. And, like, sometimes they're the ones who provide some of that lighthearted easing of the tension. And I think that's what we're missing in things in something like Batman v Superman. And I think that's what we're missing in the early DCEU. Like I'm very excited about the flash movie. Cause I know there's going to be lightheartedness and comedy around that movie because Ezra Miller's performance of the flash is a little bit comedic and that makes it fun. Even like man of steel had like a decent amount of comedy. Like it wasn't like at it the center, but it was lighthearted and I think that's important. I mean, I think it's important to have that in some movies. And you just need that tone. And I, I think that's what the DCU has been missing. I think they're starting to figure it out a little bit more. Aquaman incorporated a little bit more. Wonder Woman, even Wonder Woman, right? Like Wonder Woman has some jokes. like, And they're not like in your face. It's clearly not a movie like Shazam where like it's completely lighthearted. But like wonder woman isn't scared to crack a joke here and there or to have lighthearted moments with steve trevor and like that's important and i think those are important moments to have and while i appreciate movies like the dark knight i do think that sometimes the shortcomings of those movies is that it's so bleak although like even in the dark knight right like alfred provided a lot of comedy and so did lucius fox like there were like a, like one of the jokes we always bring up in in Batman Begins is when like the house is collapsing and like the log falls on like the burning log falls onto to Bruce and then Alfred like goes to pick him up and he's like what's the point of all those those uh push-ups if you can't even lift a damn log and like it's it's again like it's not like the in your face like constant comedy that's sometimes yeah. intrusive but it's it's a little bit of lightheartedness like it's the willingness to there's room for this and I think that's what's important. And I think DC is starting to recognize that. And a movie like Birds of Prey, I just liked because I think Harley Quinn as a character fits that mode. Like, I, I think Suicide Squad, the original one, while we haven't seen David Ayer's cut, I still think David Ayer's cut of the movie may have still been too bleak for what the original Suicide Squad should have been approaching. Because when you have characters like Harley Quinn in your in your core cast probably telling like a super bleak serious story isn't the best like you probably do need to break that up with comedy so now let's push our conversation into like and i already answered this but what project would you most like to see from dc oh hands down green lantern i want space cops honestly i think it would be really fun to introduce the green lanterns strictly for the purpose of using them as a way to kind of like kickstart a rebirth of sorts in the movie universe. If they want to keep going down these things, okay, they have certain characters that are dead or or like crazy things like that. Because like that's what they did with the Blackest Night uh, story in the comic books. And that's honestly like that I keep coming back to Blackest Night because that was my first real taste of 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 comics in my life really. That was the first book that I went to my local store. I got the um I heard a lot of good things about this one specific story and I was always intrigued by Green Lantern because I'm like I don't want to be a Batman fan like Mateo or Riley. I wanted to pick something up that was a little bit more different, right? 
And with Blackest Night, what you can do is, like, okay, you have a Green Lantern film, you, you go with that. You have these characters, you introduce the Guardians of Oa, the, the different lights, you have your Yellow Lanterns and Sinestro, and you do, you do that kind of thing, right? Hal has had the ring for a while, and kind of learning the ropes, Sinestro has just turned and formed the Yellow Lantern, and that, they're the primary antagonists for the first movie. And they go throughout gal- uh, the galaxies and everything, it's all very self-contained. But at the end of the movie, they could have a little thing where they see the Black Ring of Necron. Then you can go into the Blackest Night, and that would be like a pseudo-Justice League movie, because Blackest Night kind of brought in all of the other DC heroes and everything. It was the big crossover event of its time. And like at the very beginning of the Blackest Night, when it all started, I think Barry Allen was still dead, and it was Wally West as the Flash, if I'm not mistaken. And at I the think end, Wally was Flash, yeah. And then what had happened was, um, at the end of it, you had, and after the Blackest Night was the brightest day, and then which is basically a story in which, okay, after the Blackest Night is finished and everything, life is now coming back to the DC universe, and characters that were long thought dead are now coming back uh, to life. I'm pretty sure like Green Arrow was dead and he came back. I know Flash was for sure, because Hal was dead for a long time. And then after Hal came back, then they started the Blackest Night story. And then they brought back Flash, Batman. Something happened with Batman in in the story also, where like Batman was supposedly dead. And then they had a lot of like zombie heroes coming around. But then again, then it starts playing around with like the DC darkness again, mm-hmm. right? Like where like things are like evil, whatever. But then like you have the, the polar opposite of that being the brightest day where, like, everyone's coming back to life, and then you get, like, stories from, like, the Dead Man, where, and, like, Kyle Rayner as the White Lantern. Honestly, though, like, if it's gonna be, if, like, because they're gonna be doing movies uh, like that are coming out in theaters, and movies that are gonna be on HBO Max that are gonna be connected, and then also, from what we are led to believe, there are gonna be, like, series on HBO Max as well, like Peacemaker, and whatever potential, like, there's talk of maybe the Justice League Dark Universe films that J.J. Abrams is producing will also be part of the DCEU. You're going to see now in the next five years or so just like a huge wave of new characters and intellectual property being added into the DCEU. So something like Blackest Night, if they do that like 10 years from now, it can be a shot in the arm potentially for the franchise. Like a reboot. Yeah, that'd be really cool, honestly. Yeah, but yeah, I want Green Lantern to come back. It's time. Like it, it, it feels like it's time now. Yeah, and it's it's a real shame that Ryan Reynolds, like the what was promised to him, was very much so taking away was taken away, and mm-hmm. we got that Green Lantern. Like he was fantastic in that movie. The movie sucked, but he was good. Yeah. Jules, what about you? I think I just want to see like a true adaptation of like a superhero and their sidekick because DC is known for their sidekicks. And I feel like that's something that Marvel's missing. Like Marvel doesn't really have that. Like that's a big thing in Marvel is there's not really sidekicks because Stan Lee didn't believe in sidekicks. And DC has that. And like, especially now, like a lot of the characters that people really like our generation has really latched onto are the sidekicks, right? Like Titans and young justice and teen Titans and all those stories are like super big. And I feel like 
sure, a Batgirl movie and a and a Nightwing movie and blah blah, blah sound great, but I actually want to see like an an actual film version of like Batman and Robin or introducing Donna Troy into um, Wonder Woman and seeing that like um, Wonder Woman mentor Wonder Girl or bringing Wally into the Flash or Impulse or if they do a Green Arrow movie having Roy Harper there like I'd like to see or introducing like whether it's Calderon or um, Garth um, into like Aquaman 2 like I would or Aquaman 3 or whatever I'd like to see that mentor kind of role and like if they need to cast the character older because they don't want to deal with like a child actor like a kid being in like these darker stories then so be it that's fine but i do want to see a story like that like i really want to see a a mentorship story like i would love to see batman do it i just think i approach these comic book stories very differently than you guys like i don't want to see adaptations like i really don't care for them to just do what they've done in the comics like i can go read the comics for that i just want to see new stories told and I guess, like, I, the idea of, like, a mentorship story is very appealing to me, considering my career path, right? Like, I'm a teacher. I like seeing those teaching moments. Like, one of my yeah. favorite things in the Marvel universe is the relationship between between Tony and Peter Parker, because that mentorship is really interesting to see that dynamic. Um, and I, I would love to see that, right? Like, I'd love them to introduce, like... Like, Spider-Man is one of the most loved characters in the MCU, not just because he's Spider-Man, but because Tom Holland did a great job bringing him in as, like, this kid who's, like, learning from all the Avengers. And now that's kind of what his stories have been, right? Like, each movie he's learning from a new character. And I'd love to see that happen in, in the movies. Like, I'd love for them to bring in Dick Grayson and, like, let us see a movie where, like, he's actually... Like, personally, I actually wouldn't want... A character like Dick Grayson, I'd want somebody who's a little bit more harder on the edges, like Roy, or like a story with Green Arrow and Roy, or like Damian Wayne or something, like just so that there's a little bit more of a conflict. Um, mm. But either way, like I'd like to see that kind of story. I want to see a mentorship. I want to see like the hero challenged in a way where like they have to teach somebody else to do what they do and like teach them to be a hero and like bring out that in them and so i'm i really just want to see a story like that i i don't like that they're jumping straight to batgirl and jumping straight to nightwing and like i really wish that they would spend the time to develop the characters before just throwing them into their later stories it would be really cool if they did a movie set in the time where batman went missing and dick had to become batman and one of his rob sure but and what was uh... it what was that story mateo where where Dick became Batman. Was it, um, was it Tim Hair? Drake? Yeah, was yeah. it Tim Drake was Robin? or was it, was it Tim David? Drake was Robin. It was Tim Drake, I think. Well, in Batman, and no, in, in, uh, just before the New 52 started, it was Dick as Batman with Damien as Robin. Oh. See, I, I think that, that's a cool... That'd be a cool yes, but again, dynamic. like them jumping in, I, I like I like that, but like them jumping forward into that is like I'd almost like to see the connect the connectivity, right? Like one one of my favorite things about Titans, for example, is I I liked the mentorship role that Dick Grayson takes over Jason Todd in the second season. Like seeing that is very interesting, but the missing piece is you don't get to see how Batman trained either of them, and so yeah. I don't. It's like as much as I'd like to see sure that story, I'm like, 
I don't want to see that story on the live screen until we've seen a Batman with his Robin story because we still haven't seen that. Like the the only versions of that of Batman and Robin that we've seen is the shitty fucking like old what was it the seventies or the eighties nineties whatever it is yeah, Batman and Robin Adam West yeah those are trash. awful like trash like not even a real like Batman and Robin story. And then the closest thing we've gotten to is the Dark Knight Rises, where you have like a stand-in replacement for Robin, where you have yeah. um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character like be that stand-in as like the kind of like learning from Batman. But it's not even it's not the same. It's just yeah. a very very like modern grounded version of it. But I want to see like like no, this is a not a, maybe not a kid, but this is a teenager learning to fight crime. So many of the fan favorite characters that DC has are these graduated sidekick characters. And like, eventually you're going to have to do something like even like Batman Beyond would work on in a, in a movie. And you can have that. You can have Bruce as an old man training a young Terry McGinnis to fight and be Batman. Like it, that would yeah, work so cool. well. And the fact that it's set in the future, it could be it can be aesthetically different than anything you've seen so far in a superhero movie honestly like yeah. it it would be fantastic the other thing too is it could give life to a lot of villains that they've had to sideline in batman for example like like what i've noticed with what they've done in the films is either they've redefined the characters to be threatening beyond the way that they are in the comics or they've just been like this character doesn't work so for example like riddler when you're looking at the way they're interpreting riddler in the upcoming Robert Pattinson Batman, like he's nuts. Like that is not the yeah. Riddler we know from the comics. That's like a crazy fucking like very realistic gritty version of the Riddler, which is fine. But then you have characters like, for example, like the Penguin, who like all of us as fans know, like he can show up in a movie, but he'll never be the main villain because he's not threatening enough. Well, how do you make a character like that threatening to Batman by? by having Batman not be the one he's threatening. Like if you have, for example, if they did a storyline where Cobblepot orchestrated the death of Dick Grayson's parents, and then he's very like emotionally charged towards stopping Cobblepot. And then the threat isn't that Penguin's actually a threat to Batman, but it's that Penguin is dangerous because he could get this kid killed. And then it's less about Batman saving himself or like being like figuring out a mystery or whatever. And more about like, having to teach a kid to like put his emotions behind him for the greater good. Like that's a, a more human conflict that fits with a character, like a menace that maybe isn't really that menacing. Like it, like penguin with the type of Batman we've been exposed to as moviegoers wouldn't be menacing in his current form as just a crime boss. Like you'd have to like, I don't know, you'd have to do some crazy gritty stuff. Like he, I don't know, he dissects penguins and takes their organs and bioengineers them into weapons, <laughs> like something something weird and gritty. Or turns people into Pen penguins. Penguins were weapons in Batman Returns, okay? Yeah, I completely agree with you there, Jules, honestly. like, And like, this is the thing that bothers me, is like they don't want to put the sidekicks in the movies, okay, whatever. But you're telling me I'm want you want me to watch a movie where like people can fly and like there's shapeshifters and all these things like that, all these crazy superhuman things that can happen, very comic booky in their own right, and you're telling me it's too crazy to think like Batman would have like basically equivalent of like a little brother and like go fight crime with him or like 
another Amazon who's just as capable as Diana be her sidekick, or another half Kryptonian, uh, half Kryptonian be Superman's sidekick, or whatever. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Like, look past the age. Like, I don't get it. Like, it just these characters are are beloved for a reason, and be just as intriguing for people to watch a, a movie about Batman and Robin as it would be just to watch a movie of just Batgirl. Like. I, I completely like I I'm I still don't understand how we haven't gotten to that point yet. Like now, comic book movies aren't afraid about like Marvel at least isn't afraid of having these very close adaptations to what was in the comics, but DC's still like w- afraid to introduce Aqualad or have Robin in a movie. Like it's just it's it's stupid honestly. Just at the end of the day. Yeah, and like with Nightwing though, like when I envision a Nightwing movie happening, if it ever happens, because like it should have happened by now, it's that I honestly I would want the movie to be Dick as an adult, but have flashbacks of his career as Robin and have Batman in those as well, and then the villain of some case that happens in the past can also be the villain that he's facing in the present. I think that would be really cool. Then you can deal with dick's breakup basically with batman and like how that really affects him and that kind of would be a way you can like depower him and make him overcome that throughout the movie i think it works for him there's there's not many characters that something like that would work for but i think nightwing for it it could and they're kind of doing it with in titans so like that's it's proof there he's like the biggest character that d like he's one of dc's biggest characters that hasn't had a movie or hasn't been represented in modern cinema batman and robin was a joke like that movie was awful and like it was meant to be a joke but like that character deserves better treatment i don't know like uh, part of me is like while i agree with you like that that could be a cool story i still don't think it's enough like i i don't want to see a story that's about dick grayson and just flash it back like i want a story that's actually like you could have bruce training Tim just say in a Batman movie, but then have a Nightwing movie come out, and then you can see basically how Bruce treated treats Tim. You can see like how like Dick can like compare what happened to him to that in another movie or something like that. Because that's a way then you can introduce multiple Robins in a quick way. I I feel like we could just do like an entire episode based on like just DC movie speculation or what we would do if we had the reins, right? There there are so many things I want the DC universe to include like character wise at the very least like there's so many like deathstroke needs to come back superman needs to come back what they're gonna do with batman's gonna be ridiculous just like michael keaton you can have an old batman and then you're gonna have robert pattinson's gonna be his own thing which is i think really unfortunate but then you get you like you need to have characters i think would be cool like if swamp thing is in the justly dark segment like bring the sidekick characters in I want like like I want like for Batman at least I'm sick of Joker and like being a, and Catwoman being in everything like I want like Clayface to be in a movie I want Firefly to be in a movie that'd be so cool if they're in it Poison Ivy can come back do the Gotham City Sirens give Green Arrow and Black Canary their own project like there's so many awesome characters that DC has that deserve more attention for instance like Marvel's making a movie about Shang Chi. And DC still hasn't made, like, brought Nightwing into movies yet. I think it's, like, it just says it all right there. Like, there's so many. Marvel's, like, if you want to pick up market share in the superhero movie biz right now, if you're DC, you got to be licking your chops. Because I feel like with the MCU right now, where they're at, if they have a few 
uh, weak uh, weak box office outings in a row with their really low tier characters, and DC puts out a few really big movies with their big characters, they'll gain more respect um, amongst amongst fans. Honestly, I think right now they're starting to slowly make up for the catastrophic years that they had in the early DCEU. Black Adam's going to go a long way in that on as well. But like, I think right now we're at the very, very, very beginning of what's going to be like a, basically a renaissance for DC because there's so many, like they have like five movies, I think coming out next year, something crazy like that. And then they're going to have HBO max shows. They're going to have that are going to be in continuity as well. Like they even said, like there might be a justice league movie down the road again. Like that's crazy to think about. So, but Anyways, it's been a uh, this t- this conversation's been all over the place, but uh, I feel like that's par for the course when you talk about DC because the DCEU is kind of all over the place. Yeah, Mateo, you need you need those bringing this back into Suicide Squad again. You need those like chapter defining like things where it says like now or this is the plan or something like that with like written in smoke and shit forgot to mention those when we were talking about the suicide squad i really liked that they that how creative james gunn was with the chapter titles of the parts of the movie would anyone else like to add anything or should we wrap it up here i i, I, well, I think, think that's it. it up i'm good yeah so anyways that was a fun discussion guys so everyone thank you for listening to episode 27 of the hub world podcast uh remember we are available on spotify and youtube Wherever you're listening to this, we're listening to us on the other place as well. Give us a follow uh, on Spotify, like and subscribe, comment on YouTube. It goes a long way. We're pushing 260 subscribers. We're very close. We have uh, a few exciting things that we will be releasing in the coming weeks. Gino's continuing his Minecraft series, and that's really entertaining. So putting a lot of work into that. Yeah, a lot of really nice and funny moments in there too. So if you haven't checked it out yet, it really means a lot. It would go a long way. Like I said, like, comment, subscribe, share, all of that. Uh, if you're a Geno fan, though, don't. I think in the, there there might be a Nintendo Direct coming up soon. There's some rumors. It's a, it's an indie direct. No, no, no. I know there's an indie direct, but there's a there's going to be a Nintendo Direct. There's a rumor in September maybe that's going to happen, and uh, the hopes of Geno fans will be dashed then. So, anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, look forward to episode 28 coming soon. So, thank you for listening again. See you next time. Bye. See ya.